Well, it's a joy to share with you a, a brief teaching this morning on the 60th anniversary, and our text from Scripture is from John chapter 12, verses 24 through 25. And in that verse, Jesus says, Very truly I tell you, unless a kernel of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains only a single seed. But if it dies, it produces many seeds. Anyone who loves their life will lose it, while anyone who hates their life in this world will keep it for eternal life. I thought this was a fitting text for today's uh, because part of the story of the church is the regular, you know, dying of one thing in order to lead to more life. And so in a, a material or, or physical sense, of course, uh, you know, buildings had to be sold and new buildings had to be kind of gutted out and put to death in order for, you know, new life and, and new things to emerge. And also in a, in a spiritual sense, so many people over the last 60 years have sacrificed so much. In the, the dedication uh, document from 1969, and it's typed on a typewriter, and it's out there in the, the church scrapbook in the lobby, but Pastor William Mercer wrote, quote, it can be said without question that this building, and he's talking about the downtown one at that point, stands today because of the hundreds of man hours that the people of this congregation have donated to the cause. See, they were willing to put to death their own dreams or interests, probably even improvement for their own homes so that something else could come to life and they could be a part of something bigger than themselves, a, a legacy that would outlast their life on this earth. And Jesus here uses an illustration from uh, the plant world about death producing life. And there's a, a clear twofold application here. The first one being to our life and Jesus speaking to us. I mean, very clearly the immediate and, uh, application and reason for Jesus' illustration is to teach the people and indirectly us the lesson that to love our own life meaning to be focused on our own selves, our own success, our own dreams or wants or desires, our own material comfort, our own gain, will ultimately lead to our own loss of the things that truly matter, and especially the things that will matter for eternity. And Jesus isn't teaching we shouldn't love life. In fact, just a few chapters earlier in John 10, Ted, he says, I come so that you may have life, and in fact, have it to the full. But we can't make the mistake of beginning to live for those things rather than to live for the one who made them. To mistake giving ourselves to the created world rather than the creator of that world. And that's what Jesus is saying, and he puts it in so, such strong language, saying that compared to your love for God. And all he's done, compared to how good and precious that is, your love for those other things is, is almost like hate in comparison. You know, you would give them up in a second, especially in comparison to the life that is to come, what Jesus calls eternal life. And so Jesus uses this illustration, you know, first to talk to us, to get our attention, 
But of course, there's a double meaning or fulfillment of his words here, because he's also hinting at his own life. Jesus, he doesn't just teach principles. He lives them out. And not only that, he lives them out perfectly, living the the perfect and exemplary life that we could never live. And so here he's ultimately alluding to his own death on the cross that will ultimately bring life to the world and to all who believe in him. He died so that we may live life now to the fullest and especially in eternity. 1 John 3.16 says, This is how we know what love is, that Jesus laid down his life for us. And therefore, we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. And so I want to be clear that everything we do as a church, all the work in the community we've talked about, the programs and people we open up this building to on a weekly basis, it's all done in response to the one who gave his life for us. And because of that, we can't help but lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. As I looked back uh, through all those old pictures of the last uh, 20 plus years, there's one thing that remained in all of the photos. Almost everything else, as you saw, has you know, changed or been removed or updated or refreshed. But what is one thing that's remained? Any guesses? Yeah, that cross. And it's been very intentional. It's been our way of saying one thing always remains central. And that is the cross. That's why we put it right in the center because it represents the life we have through his death for us and our sins and represents his ultimate victory over death through his resurrection which is the sign and promise of the eternal life that is to come and why we gather each and every sunday to celebrate that resurrection and that life the bible says that he is christ jesus who has destroyed death and therefore brought life. So we're not a perfect people here at Oceanside. That's not what today uh, is about. In fact, we're, we're rather imperfect. I mean, I'm, I'm first in line of the worst of sinners, right? the, the way I regularly fail to lay down my life for others, to love my neighbor as myself. I mean, I'm, I'm number one. But when there's a call to receive the grace and forgiveness of Jesus, I'm going to be first in that line too. (laughs) I'm going to be number one there as well. Put me at the front. There's nothing special about Oceanside or its people. Here's the only thing unique about us. If I could describe it in two words or, or one even. We're forgiven. That's what makes us unique. We're not perfect. We're not better than anyone else. We're a a pretty broken, occasionally dysfunctional family, but we're simply forgiven. And so many of us have stories like Dean and Selena, including myself, 
where God has taken what seemed lost and dead and brought it to life. And it's 60 years of those kinds of stories that we're celebrating today, that God has been bringing people from death to life here at Oceanside for 60 years, and we can't wait for another 60 or until he returns. I'll give the last word to Pastor William Mercer once again, who led the congregation from 1965 to 1971 and led them through the construction of their first building. And he said it in his remarks when that building was dedicated. He said, may it ever be a place where people of all ages can both hear about and experience Christ as personal savior, healer, baptizer, and the master of every situation. And so we say, yes, Lord, right? May it be so.